So the Gospel of John, let's begin here in chapter 1. We'll read verse 1 down through verse number 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men uh, through him might uh, believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That, uh, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh unto, into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This is he of whom it was spake. He that cometh before me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have, uh, all we re- have all we received in grace for grace. For law was given by Moses, but, th- but grace and truth by, uh, came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is, uh, in, the, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Father, we do uh, come to your throne today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you we can once again physically meet as a church. We pray for those that are not able to be with us this morning. I know some are sick. I got a text from Peter. He's not feeling well. Pray that he might be uh, feeling well again quickly. Pray for others who cannot be here because maybe they have smaller children or just not able to make it. Pray that you be blessed them. Help them, Father, be here uh, next uh, week. We ask you to bless now this message. Use it, Father, to bring honor and glory to yourself. Use it, Father, also to convict us of any sin that might be in our lives that we might get things right with thee. I pray for any among us or any of those that maybe listen to the podcast later on that, uh, that do not know Jesus as their Savior, that you'd use this message to prick their hearts and they might be convicted of their sin and trust Christ as their Savior. Bless all that we do and all that we say, that would bring all all we do and, uh, and say would bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. For we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Gospel of John was, of course, penned by the aged, I mentioned the word aged, Apostle John, because it was written about 85 A.D. So he was elderly by this time. He wrote this in the Reve- book of Revelation, fairly... Uh, within the same time period. It's, of course, the last of the four Gospels written. By the time this book, the Gospel of John, by the time this letter was written and circulated among believers, the other Gospels were just pretty much household words. They knew these other Gospels because Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written right around between 50 and 60 A.D. This was written in 85 A.D., 30 to 35 years later, 
this gospel is written. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written and copied and sent around to different churches. And they had read the letter as kind of a, a household uh, name. People were similar with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. So then comes along the word of God given to, to uh, John to write this gospel. So, uh, and if you look at the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're known as the synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic means to see together, which means that these first three gospels can contain many of the same stories, many of the same teachings as the other three, other two uh, uh, mentioned, but they were told as a, a from a different angle uh, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each, of course, inspired by the by God, but in Matthew, Matthew portray, portrays Jesus as the Messiah, written to the Jews, written about the Messiah. So, when we look at Matthew's genealogy, it begins with Abraham, because that was the covenant God made with him became the Jewish nation. So that's the book of Matthew. Then you look at uh, Mark. Uh, Mark was written and, and portrayed Christ as a servant. It was written to Gentiles and particularly the Roman uh, peoples. So in Mark, there is no genealogy because it's, it, he wrote the book looking at Christ as a servant. Servants don't need a genealogy. They're servants. Then you come to the book of Luke. Luke is an interesting book because Luke and Acts were written by the physician Luke. Not a Jew, a Gentile. The only New Testament book written by a Gentile is, a, is Luke and Acts. And Luke gives, looks at Jesus as the son of man. And in his genealogy, it's traced all the way back to Adam, the first man. Of course, goes Adam, the son of God, and it traces the genealogy of Adam all the way through to Abraham and down through Jesus Christ. That brings us to this gospel, the gospel of John. His gospel is different. And the difference is he sees Jesus and portrays Jesus and declares Jesus as God. Of course, there's no genealogy. God doesn't need a genealogy. So that's the gospel of John. In the pages of this letter, we see a side of Christ the other gospels do not even touch on. John was part of the blessed inner circle. Matt, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. You see them over and over again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even in John. Jesus would take these three apart and teach them separately separately from the other 12. They were part of that inner circle. They were the closest ones to the Lord. And of course, John was the closest. Remember, the one who leaned on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper was the Apostle John. So they had a connection to Christ the other apostles did not have. They had a more in intimate relationship with Christ than the other, uh, other disciples did. So here we see this. Uh, so the Gospel of John, there are 21 chapters, 
And each chapter unfolds a different aspect of Christ. And it begins, of course, here in John chapter 1. And John, just from the very beginning, the very two verses, he tells us who Jesus is. He doesn't beat around the bush. He directly comes out and says, Jesus is God. And in verse uh, 14, he's God in the flesh. So in his opening letter, this opening chapter of the, of the Gospel of John, he paints a very clear picture of Christ and who he is. He is, John says, the Word, meaning he's the Word of God, the spoken Word. He's the one in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and all that. And it goes on and talks about it. God spoke and things came into existence. That was Jesus who spoke the world into existence. So John starts out unashamedly telling us who Jesus is. So I'll look at three truths this morning revealed in the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. Three truths about Jesus as the Word of God. The first truth is, is Jesus is the pre-existent Word. He is the pre-existent Word. Before there was anything, there was the Word. It says there, in the beginning was the Word. The beginning of what? The beginning of everything. Before God ever created the world, the beginning was there. Before God ever made time, the beginning was there. The beginning doesn't mean it started at a certain time and it's going to have an ending. No. In the beginning, in the beginning of everything, in the beginning before God ever created the heavens and the earth, God was there. There was never a time when God was not. God is eternal. God has always existed. So he says here in these verses, in the beginning was the word of God. It was the word, the words are with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Now, that's not a very uh, hard verse to understand. The Word was there. The Word was with God in the beginning. The Word created all things. The Word was spoken and things came into existence because he is the pre-existent Word. So, because he is the pre-existent Word, he is the constant Word, constant, meaning unchanging. He's consistent. According to verse 1, Jesus has simply always existed. He did not come into being in Bethlehem, born of the Virgin Mary. That was not his beginning. He has existed throughout all the endless ages of eternity past. He's always existed. I came into being 63 years ago. Actually, 64. I'll be 64 in January. But nine months before that, I came into existence in my mother's womb. So about a month ago, because you take month one month ago, you plus nine months that's January so about a month ago I, I began 
I began existing in my mother's womb. Nine months later, I was born my birthday, January 24th, 1957. So about 64 years ago, I came into being. But Jesus has always been. He always will be. Because he's the constant, unchanging word of God. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's constant. He's consistent. That's why we can depend upon him. He will never fail us. He will never leave us nor forsake us, the Bible says. He is constant. He's the constant word. Also, he is the controversial word. There's a big controversy over Jesus in his day. There's the controversy over Jesus today. Always has been throughout church age. There's always been a controversy about who Jesus is, why he came, what he did. There's always been a controversy about that. But when he came into being, particularly when he started his ministry at 30 years of age, there was a big controversy because the Bible says here, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When Christ started preaching, he preached repent. Same thing John the Baptist preached, repent. He preached repentance. And man thought that was strange. When he began to heal people, perform miracles, man thought he was the prophet sent by God. When when he spoke the word of God with power, man thought he was amazing. No one ever spoke like he spoke, they said. But when Jesus claimed to be equal with God, men thought he was crazy in the head. They tried to kill him. The, the religious leaders of the day tried to stone him several times. He would escape out of their hands. Read the gospel, it tells us that. So there was a controversy because Jesus claimed to be God, and they didn't like it. They, they thought he was blaspheming. And they wanted to do away with him. Finally, they did that, of course. But that's the controversy. This is when he stopped being a blessing and started a big controversy among men. Some thought he is who he says he he is, God in the flesh. Others thought, no, he can't be God in the flesh. God would not do the things he does. So there was a controversy For three or three and a half years, it kept growing and growing and growing over this period of time. But there was a controversy. As soon as he started preaching and telling people, I and my father are one. And what he meant was, what they they took that to mean was, he and God are one and the same. And he, he was, he is. That started the controversy. So there was a controversy. That... Same struggle is going on today. Men and women still struggle with this truth today. You look at Christianity. There are churches. Well, they're not really churches. They say they're churches. There are churches that teach that Jesus was created by God. He's not God. God created him. Churches teach that. JWs teach that. 
Mormons teach that. Others teach that. He's not God in the flesh. God created him, and he created all things. That's what many, many so-called churches teach. They're not churches, they're cults. Any church that teaches that Jesus is not God is a cult. Just mark it down. They're not a church. They say they're churches. They want to be accepted by uh, the church community at large. And a lot of people accept the JWs. Oh, they're just different than us, but they're really Christian. No, they're not. They're not one iota Christian. They're not even one millionth of one percent Christian. They're not Christian. So that controversy goes on today. Many are willing to accept a humble Christ, a teaching Christ, a meek Christ, a serving Christ, even a dead Christ. But they're not not willing to acknowledge Christ as God. Many that way today. But he is not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is God. He's God in the flesh. So that's the controversy. And also, he is the creative word. He creates. Verse 3. All things were made by him. And without him, there was not anything made that was made. Everything you see was made by Christ. The grass outside, the trees growing, the crops you plant, the world at large were all made by Him. Go home and look in the mirror. You were made by Him. You were made in the image of God. You were made by Christ. God spoke it into existence. And it was, it was there. So He's the creative Word. This verse tells us the power behind the creation of the universe was Christ. He spoke and it came into being. I referenced a while ago, look, go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse. we know these verses. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was, dark was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So here we have Elohim, God in the beginning. The spirit of God moved. God's spirit was there. Look at verse 3. And God said, the word spoke, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke it. God has said, light come into being. And the sun came out of nothing. Came from nowhere. Because there was no universe before that time. He created everything. He spoke it into existence and it was. He stood on the edge of nothing. And spoke the world into being. It just was created by him. One of the greatest verses that teach this truth. Is not only John chapter 1 and uh, Genesis chapter 1. But Colossians 1. 16 and 17 are probably the two greatest verses that teach this truth. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, 
whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. For he is before all things, and by him all things consist. By Christ, all things are held together. All things are created. All things come into being. All things consist by him. Because the word spoke, and it was. Also, he is the pre-existent word of God. He has always been, always will be. He is eternal. And because he's eternal, because of who he is, as a believer, this should give us a great comfort. No matter where we go in life, no matter how many problems we face as we travel through life, we can rest assured that the pre-existent one that always will be always has been, will be there for us. He's there. He is the pre-existent living word of God. So first of all, Jesus is the pre-existent word. Number two, Jesus is the personalized word. What do I mean by that? Personal, he became a person. Not became a person, he became a human being. In John 1, 14 through 17. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This, is, uh, uh, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is before me, for he was before me. So he is the personalized word. We're talking here about the, the manner of his incarnation. The word incarnation means to take upon flesh. He is the incarnate word. He took upon flesh in a manger in Bethlehem. Over 2,000 years ago, he became a man. He became a human being there. He became the personalized word. Now, this verse tells us, John 14 tells us, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the question is, how could God become man? And the only person that can answer that question is God. I can't answer the question. I don't know. I, I just know the Bible says it and I believe it. How that came into being, I don't know. How God worked it out, God worked it out. How Mary was, seed was planted in her womb without a man, I cannot tell you how that happened. But since God created man, God could do it. We can't do it. Now we can, we, mankind now can take a woman's egg and the man's seed and put them together in a Petri dish in a laboratory and fertilize that egg and plant it back in the mother's womb. They do it all the time in virtual fertilization. Man can do that, but man cannot take a woman's egg without the man's seed and create a person. 
It's impossible. Cannot be done. God can do it because God did it. That seed planted in Mary's womb was God. God was his father, not Joseph. But God did it. God worked it out. While Christ himself had existed from all eternity past, he took upon a robe of flesh in Bethlehem. The verse says that he dwelt among us. That word dwelt, what it literally means is he pitched his tent. He set up residency. He dwelt among us, mankind. That's what it means. He literally pitched his tent and dwelt among mortals. He lived among us. He worked among us. He prayed among us. He suffered and died among us. God walked upon the earth that he created. He was unrecognized by most who saw him and came in contact with him. He didn't look any different than any other person. He was just a, a common everyday Jewish male. Nothing fantastic about him at all. Most people met him in that day would not even recognize him as anybody any different than anybody else. But the tragedy was that men came in contact with the Savior and failed to recognize him for who he truly was in that day. But the same thing happens in our day. People come in contact with Christ today and they fail to recognize who he really is, the Savior of the world. You talk to anybody in Zambia. Who's Jesus? They can, oh yeah, I know, Jesus. I know who Jesus is. They know who he is. They don't know him. They never accepted him as their savior. They come in contact with him almost every day. Sundays, turn the television on, radio on, people preaching about Jesus. Take a bus with soccer, they're preaching about Jesus. But a lot of times they're not preaching about the Jesus of the Bible. They're preaching the Jesus they want to preach. But anyway... People still come into contact with him today and fail to really recognize who he is, who they are, what they must do to know him as Savior. Happens all the time. So, he is the personalized word. But then we see the majesty of his incarnation. It says in verse 14, the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And then John says, and we, meaning him, particularly him and Peter and James, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten uh, of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, we, and more personally, I, I beheld the glory of Christ. John actually saw the glorified Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. Christ took them apart separately on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was transfigured before them. Then they saw Moses and Elijah. And Peter said, let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's just dwell here forever. Let's just stay here. That's what Peter said. Of course, Peter always speaks up thinking, but... That's what he said. 
They saw Jesus transfigured before them. And Christ said, when they were leaving, Christ said, don't tell anybody what you just saw. Keep it a secret. They did for a while. Not for long. They wrote about it. But John said, we beheld his glory. That's in Matthew chapter 17. Go read the story. But his greatest glory was not revealed in a man of transfiguration. His greatest glory was revealed on a cross at Golgotha. When he was crucified, when he shed his blood, when he was beaten and spit upon and beard plucked out, when he died for, the man, for mankind's sin, for my sin and your sin, that was when his greatest glory was shown through. When he died for us on the cross. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His glory shone through when he made a way for mankind to know God as their personal Savior, to know Jesus Christ, to have a home in heaven forever and ever and ever. That was his greatest glory. So he is the personalized word. And three, he is the proclaiming word. Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He is the proclaiming, you could put that word to make it, he's a declaring word. He declares who God is. Christ came to reveal God to man. That word declare there means to unfold, to unveil, to let the what people could not see before, let it be known. That's what it means. Everything Christ did was simply to unfold more and more revelation about who God is to mankind. Started in Genesis chapter 1. God revealed things bit by bit, slowly by slowly. The final revelation of, of, G, uh, of God was Christ. When Christ came into being as a man in, uh, at Bethlehem, when he came and gave his life for mankind, that was God's complete and final revelation of himself to us. So all that Jesus did, in his earthly ministry, was simply to unfold more and more and more revelation about who God is, why, what God did, why he sent his son to reveal that to you and I. See, men needed to see God more than just a lawgiver. See, God gave the law for a purpose. That was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, uh, Galatians tells us. But... Man need to see God as more than just a mere lawgiver, but also as the one who loved them and gave to himself for them. Because all the law, all the sacrificial systems, all set up to prove to mankind that none of us can keep the law. But also when Christ came, he fulfilled the law. 
All those sacrifices were type of the true sacrifice, the Lamb of God that John declared, John the Baptist declared. He is the Lamb. He's the substitute for you and I. All that revelation that Jesus brought was simply prove to us, teach us, tell us about who God is. Now, just look at a couple of things here and we'll stop. Let's go. We skipped over verses 11 down through verse, what, uh, 13, I think. But let's go back and look at these verses. If you look at John 1, 4 through 9, it talks about the first three verses, who Jesus is. He's God. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. This is John the Baptist. The same was, uh, came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. See, he came in the world. He came into spiritual darkness. He shined as the light of the truth of God so man could see who he truly was. But man were wandering around in darkness. Even when they saw the light, they didn't recognize it as the light. They were still in darkness. <clears throat> so the light that John spoke about, Christ being that light, see the light will accomplish one of two things. When people see Jesus for who he truly is, the light, the Savior, when people truly see that light, it will do one of two things. It will either cause men to repent and open, their, open their, up their heart to the Lord, or it will cause men to reject the light and continue in the course of darkness. Whenever... You share the gospel with people who are lost. And they understand the gospel. They understand they're a sinner. They understand who Jesus is. They understand Jesus died for them. When we share that truth, the result will be one of two things. They'll recognize who they are, who Jesus is, they accept Him as Savior, or they'll reject Christ, continue on in their darkness. One of two things. Always. One will lead to salvation. The other will lead to damnation. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on them. And go on in John 1, 10 through 13. We skipped those verses as well. These verses tell us he was in the world the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, the Jewish people. Remember when Jesus started his ministry? He told the, the, the disciples, you go out, only go to the Jews. Don't talk to the Gentiles, only go to the Jews. Why? Because he was, was the fulfillment of the Jewish revelation. He was the fulfillment. He was the Messiah promised to the Jews. Only take the truth to the Jews. So he came into his own. His own received him not. They rejected him. But the good news is, is verse 12. 
But as many as did receive him, to them, those that received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, born again, salvation, believe, were born not of blood. You're not a Christian because your father's a Christian. You're not a Christian because your mother's a Christian. You're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Go read John chapter 3 and Jesus and Nicodemus. That fills in the, the gaps there. Born of God. So Christ came to proclaim that there is a way. There's a way to come to the Father and experience everlasting life. See, the sad response was verse 11. He came to his own, and his own received him not. The Jews, by the most part, rejected him. Not all of them, a few. There was always a remnant, the Bible says. But the, for the most part, the Jews of that day rejected him. The Jews of our day, for the most part, reject him as a man. Some Jews believe it, most of them do not. But then just... Inject in that verse us, Zambia, uh, America, any nation that claims to be, quote unquote, a Christian nation. There's no such thing as a Christian nation, but anyway, people claim to be that. So Zambia does, America does, that's fine. So put that verse into us. He came unto Zambia. But Zambia rejected him. He came into his own. He came into people that should have recognized him for who he was, the Jewish nation at that time. He comes into a world today that has heard the gospel for 2,000 years. But still today, most people in the West, most people in Christian nations are not born again. They claim to be believers. They know all the jargon to say. They know the right words to speak. But he never trusted Christ as a personal Savior. He came into his own and his own received him not. They rejected him. But, verse 12, as many, those who did receive him, to them, God gave them power, the ability to be called the sons of God. They were born of God, born again of the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. So verse 12 and 13 makes it clear. Anyone who will come to Christ by faith and receive Him as their Savior in their heart, they will experience the new birth. John 3, chapter 3 tells them. We'll get to that maybe next week or the week after. We'll look at John chapter 3. To those that did receive Him, God accepts them. God gives them the ability to become born again, become sons and daughters of God. So, three truths in these first 18 verses of John chapter 1. Jesus is the pre-existent word. He has always existed. Jesus is the personalized word. He became flesh. Jesus is the proclaiming word. He came to declare God to mankind and God's love to mankind. So today, there's only one entrance into life. 
We're talking about spiritual life. Only one entrance into spiritual life. It's through the Son. That's all. There's no other way. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved, the Bible tells us. So if you've never met Christ, if you've never received the pardon for your sins to, at any time, today is the day. The, the family we know, the friends we know, the circle that we run in every day, they need to understand who we are as believers, what we believe as believers. Not what we, not we're not supposed to have church with at work. I'm not saying that at all. But they, people that we run around, people we're, we interact with every day, people that know us and we know them, we should be able to tell them these truths even at work, school, wherever, neighborhood. People need to know who Jesus is. Because people, like I mentioned, every Zambian, every Zambian knows the gospel as far as Jesus coming and dying on the cross. We've heard those stories since we were two years old. We, we all grew up knowing these things. We know it in the head. Probably people know it in the head. They have the knowledge. But their heart is far from God. Just look at the way people live. Christ is ready to reveal the Father to all those who come to Him in faith. So today, the pre-existent Word, the personalized Word, the proclaiming Word. Let's have, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do come to Your throne today thanking You, Father, for who You are. For all you've done for us, for boldly proclaiming in the Gospel of John who you are, why you came. You are God in the flesh. You came for one purpose, to die on the cross, to pay for our sin. We thank you, Father, for your word that tells us this. And I pray, Lord, for maybe those among us today that does not, do not know Christ and say they may come even today. I pray for those that we have influence in our lives, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our family, we can be that light that shines like John the Baptist. He shined the light forth, proclaimed the gospel to those around him. Help us, Father, do that in our day and time as well. I pray, Lord, now your will be done in all of our lives this day. For we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand there. We're going to sing uh, Invitation song number 55 in your book. If you have a spiritual need today, you can come to the altar. Maybe you should pray for yourself or I can pray with you or whatever. But I want to give a time for people to make a decision if you have to make a decision today. Let's uh let's say number fifty five.